Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Show and Tell the Podcast. My name's Monty and I get to chat to some of the most incredible women about their lives and really nothing is off limits. We record these chats at my house on my couch so they're super relaxed, they're very raw and they are extremely honest. Now if you want to check out the videos head to showandtellonline.com.au or you can listen to the podcast here. Bronwyn Khan is a bit of a media powerhouse. She started off her career in magazines at only 21 years of age and just recently finished up 10 years as the editor of Cosmo magazine. Bron is a wife. She's also a mum of three young kids and she is such a generous and awesome chick. I loved spending my time with Bron on the couch and hope you enjoy this too. I had such a charmed childhood. I'm one of five, so I'm the youngest. Yeah. And... We just had a really big, loud, happy family. And I think it's funny now because I, I always just thought it was a very normal way to grow up. But yeah, we're normal. all super, super, super close. Like my yeah, brothers is, and sisters. It, to me, that's amazing because five of you would go, maybe two of you would be close, but all yeah. of us really close. And it's funny because we're different. Like three of us are in media mm-hmm. and then the other two are completely different, like landscaping and in police council all the rest of it so it's um really really we're we're different but we're super super close like we I don't think we've been on a holiday just without some member of my family coming with us but um yeah we've just always been that way I don't know I think it's probably something that my parents ingrained in us from the very beginning like whether it was just the way we played at home or I I, I almost wish there was a formula that mum went this is what we did yeah and this is how you can emulate that in your kids because I I look at my three kids now and go I want you to have that same relationship that I have with my siblings like you know that my brother is you know so he lives in Sydney down the road from us and we're like best friends and you know so I think god I really really hope my kids have that same relationship. I know because it's it's so you don't it's actually almost a luck of the draw I reckon when it comes to family you know because you go I want you to I am glad I've got two boys because I'm like, great, they can be mates. But who knows? Who knows? You know? And you just hope them. they're not competitive and yeah. that they don't have such complete different interests that they can't find something to bond over. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I don't know whether the thing that we bonded over was just the paying each other out and wanting to spend time together and hear what was going on in each other's lives because did we did fight? different things. Yeah, we did. Like, I remember the days of, like, you know, lying on the ground watching TV and my brother standing on my hair so I couldn't get up yeah. and, you know, like, you know, it was all those things. Um, but now when we get together, we all go home at Christmas and Easter and all the rest of it and from all around the country, or, or my sister lives in Paris, and we have couple club mm-hmm. where we all wake up and we go to mum and dad's bed and we all sit on the end or hop into bed with mum and dad and we all have cups of coffee and the in-laws find that really, really yeah. confronting. Because you like, did try and get your husbands and oh, they've all come wives in. to they've get in your parents' all, bed. Like, yeah. 
and as an my husband has now been like, babe, it's just too weird to yeah. be sitting on the end of your fair in the van with everyone in their nighties and everything. And we're like, okay, well, you just go out and, you know, control the kids and let us have a catch up. But otherwise oh. we'll just sit in there with our cups of tea and coffee and just natter for as long as we can until all our respective kids come and, you know, harass us into you know, doing, doing something, something. fun. What are, what's your parents' relationship like? Because they're still together. Yes. Are they still super in love? Yeah. Like, and I think that is such a fantastic role. They're, they're such a fantastic role models because I look at that and I think, I should know how many years they've been married, but I'm going to say 40. Wow. Five. Good 45. Guess. Okay. Only because my brother is 44, so I would think 45. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they've been together all that time in love. And, like, sure, they saw hard times and had you know, arguments and financial worries and yeah. all the rest of it. But I think the thing that, that always remained true is, was just that really, like, as long as the family is together and happy and healthy, then that all, that's all that matters. Yeah. And, you know, my, all my brothers and sisters have since gone on to have kids and now mum and dad have got 13 grandchildren. Wow. And they're really hands-on, you yeah, know. Right. So... Because as adults, most of our issues come from our childhood. Yeah. So you're issueless. Yeah, touch wood. Where's the wood? You've got no touch wood. It's strategic. Um, you know, it's um, we were having this conversation the other day, going, God, what did mum and dad do to get lucky that they had five kids that none of us had addictions or yeah. illnesses or you know terrible relationships or domestic violence or any of that, yeah. which we're so thankful for because I think you roll the dice, five kids, there's a lot that could go wrong. Well, normally in two kids, one, there's always one in a family. You don't really have that. Yeah, yours. there's no black sheep. No, yeah. which is just incredible. Which is, which is amazing. Yeah. And I know and I'm really fortunate and, and lucky in that sense. And, um, and I guess maybe then it also sets a benchmark of what I hope for my family, yeah. that we have that same sort of luck I guess in life that the kids are happy and healthy and you know don't experience any heartache to any terrible degree. I know. Um, you do I when um, I said you know you're coming on I messaged Zoe and I said tell me what kind of friend you are. Don't you so, gonna make me cry again? No I won't. So this is what Zoe Foster wrote. This is what she has to say about you. She was one of my very best friends but I also slot her into a bit of an older sister and mentor role. I deeply respect her opinion and will always seek it, even if I don't always agree. Her kindness and warmth and inclusion brought me safely into a pretty scary, intimidating ACP group of women when I was a tiny 23 years old. And I really owe a lot to her in that sense. Aww, she yeah. It's funny because we, um, they, my last week of work um, at Cosmo and the team made me this insane video. Like they mm. just went over the top with niceness even though i said to them very strict instructions the night before there's to be no sad eyes there's to be no nice stuff said and just in general to be no tears like no let's just pretend i'm going on my fourth maternity leave <laughs> and they broke all the rules because then the next day my last day they um blew me away and i was just ugly crying everywhere in that they made they put together this video and got all of these women that were in important in my life through work or I'd worked with a lot over the years right. to send these personal video messages and then they put it to music so it was everyone from like Lisa Wilkinson to Zoe and Jazz and Christine and um, Jacinta, Cheyenne, Jodie, 
Julia Gillard, Are you really like, named Jackie. Name? I know because look at my memory; it's come back when I'm named. <laughs> um, but it was amazing. Like oh, it was almost mate. so overwhelming that it was too much, and it was all put to music. Like goodbye, mm. my friend. I was like, oh god. But it was the sentiment. You know, you don't think of yourself as being that person when yeah. you hear all these people these amazing women saying all these nice things about you you're like oh god just stop like it's, yes. it's almost uncomfortable to yeah, go yeah. you know really um, do you really think that am I yeah. that person so it was really you know and and it's it's always way more emotional when you know the Mia's and the Jazz's and the Zoe's of the world come on and say all these nice things they're like oh my god you're my people and you're making me really yeah. upset like it makes it somehow more upsetting or yeah, emotional yeah. um so it was just such a beautiful thing that my staff did that I love having that as a keepsake. Yeah, and, and you've got that of your best. Because there's not many opportunities in life you really get to tell people how you feel about them. Yeah. Because just saying it out of the blue, which we should do more often, you don't. Yeah. You know, so when it's kind of events where you can say. Yeah. There's like weddings. You kind of had your funeral. I know. They were, they, and they I were your it. funeral words. Yeah. Yeah. And But also that people were just bothered yeah. to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like it, when people are busy, it's like. I can't believe all these women were bothered to yes. film a video yeah. and they weren't just like, hey, Brian, thanks for your help over the years. See you later. Bye. They were all really beautiful, heartfelt, lovely messages. And yeah. I think, God, I hope I was nice to you. And that, oh, no, I think you would have been. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you're right. It, it was like my funeral. Yeah. So great. And I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, Bright things ahead. Going back to school. Bax the other day came home and I said, who'd you play with at kinder? He said, no one. Yeah. But he was as happy and as Larry. And Yeah. <laughs> but he, and I said, did you play with, I'm not going to say this little boy's name because I wanted to fucking kill him after I heard he wouldn't play with him. But I said, did you play with da da da? And he said, no, he said he didn't want to play with me today. Mm. Same as your little girl. And I said, oh, okay. And I looked at Sam and I nearly started to cry. Oh no. I, said, I literally felt my heart yeah. break and I was like, why don't you? are the coolest kid ever. Who wouldn't want to play with you? And I'm just like, this is the start. It's the start. Because I went through that at school too. Like I remember at primary school going up to girls, your friends and going, can I play with you today? You just have yeah. to make sure yeah, you Yeah, but can I bag you? Like, yes. just to be clear, we're going to play later and I'm going to yes. sit with you. But it's true. I remember being in grade eight. Like grade eight, you think, I don't know. I used to associate that kind of, you can't sit with us and you can't play with us being primary school but I remember being in grade eight and the girls that I'd been sitting with just randomly said you know I came out at recess or whatever and I went up to them to you know like I would normally to go sit there and they were like mm. so we've discussed mm. you know they do that thing there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um we just think there's too many in the group you can't sit with us anymore Aww. And I remember at the time, just the tears springing to my eyes. And I went to the sick bay yes. and pretended to be sick. So yeah. mum would come and get me. Yeah. And this is where I go, this is where I want to be around so that when sick bay call me and say, one of your kids is sick and I pick them up and find out, well, you're not sick. You've just been bullied or you've just been kicked yeah. out of your group that I can be there. Because I remember going home and I just thought once I get home, everything will be okay because you know, I've got my brothers and sisters in my corner and mum and dad and everything will be okay. Yeah. And I think that also, you know, coming back to our chat about family was, I think that's probably what made us close as well is that we kind of almost always felt because we had safety in numbers yes. and we had each other's back, it kind of almost didn't matter what that girl said or what that boy did. And yeah. it was like, yeah, once yeah. I get home. You had your tribe there. Anyway. I had my tribe. Yeah. I had my people and there was safety in numbers and I wasn't alone. Yes. 
So yeah. maybe that was also what contributed to us being a close family. Yeah. But, you know, I, 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 it's funny the memories that you have mm. and that sticks out in my mind that day being told I couldn't sit with those girls anymore. Yeah, which is for no, it thought, would what? just literally be one girl just deciding that day should yeah, like yeah. you know? And then just the whole like, group follows. Yeah, because no one wants to stand up and be different no. and be the one that says, hang on, that's a bit mean. And then I remember the next day at school I went back after a good pep talk from mum and I went up to some of the girls I went to primary school with. Right. Um, and they and just said, I, they said I couldn't sit. And they were like, oh, don't worry, come and sit with us. And yeah. I remember thinking, why did I leave you guys? Like, why yeah. did I come to school and think I was better than you or mm. think, oh, I think I'm done with you now. I'm going to go sit with these cool kids over here because yeah. the cool girls just did me over. Yeah. And now you've just welcomed me back with open arms without mm. asking any questions. And, you know, so that was a bit of a life lesson as well about keeping in with everyone and being yeah. nice to everyone yeah. and, you know because when you're a kid though you do you just want to be in the cool group you yeah know, you or do. you want to be accepted yeah and part yeah. of that comes with you know who's doing what and yeah you know they're perceived to be the ones that everyone likes so I want to be in that group yeah no you just sometimes I go there's a lot to be said for homeschooling where you know, your kids don't have to navigate the bullying no, you just put them in a, you a just want to protect them bubble don't you but then you go yeah it kind of as it does kind of mould you, you know what I mean? Yeah. It makes your skin a bit thicker and you also go, I don't want to be that asshole. Or, yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. But it is, it's a, it's, I'm, I'm nervous for my boys, but I also kind of think I've got boys, maybe I'll get through that schooling a bit easier. Yeah, but then, boy, I mean, you'll come up against different issues mm. with boys, you know, and them kind of coming into their body and, <gasps> you know, just, what? it's a different, <laughs> wanky, sexy stuff. <laughs> My boyfriend will kill me for saying this, but when he found out what you can do, he took like a week off school and just stayed in bed. So I'm like, I know if my kid, my boys get to an age where they're like, mum, I'm sick and they just literally stay in bed for like a week or two. They're just wanking like demons in oh there. Oh my God. See, I'm really happy to say to my husband, that is all you. Yeah, oh, same. Like, go deal with that. I'm dealing with the vaginas in the house. Yeah. And you're going to deal with all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, I'm kind of glad we didn't have a third girl because otherwise it would have just been all, on all you. on me. Yeah, it's I would have been like putting out. Like, but oh, even cleaning it, it. Oh. like you got to clean it yeah like well a, I don't know about that that's also my husband's <laughs> I remember my dad teaching my little brother he was like you've got to do this and this and this and I was like oh that's so full-on I'm yeah. really thrilled I've got a vagina and yeah. I don't have to do what you guys do and it's do. so funny because I remember when I had the girls and my best friend at the time which still is my best friend had a um had a boy 10 days apart so we had our oh. first children 10 days apart so it was perfect and she had a boy had a girl and I remember her making the comment going watching me change Harper's nappy and the poo being all everywhere in the everything yeah. and going, God, it's so much easier with a boy because it's just all out, out there. Yeah. But I find the boy so much harder. Why? I, find, I don't know. It's just all like you're waiting for his little willy to like at any moment, like either get an erection or wee on you yeah, or how, something. How weird a baby erection I know. And then I feel like if he does it while I'm changing his nappy, I feel like, did I do something? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, son. I don't, I'm the same too. Like Sam the other day is like, Bax had a raging boner. And I feel bad saying that, but it did. And it's not sexual at all. But it's they just not. sit there and then it's like, and I'm like, fuck. I like, that's weird. And there's just, and it's all bally and you're yeah. lifting. Like, yeah, but with girls, you've got to like get right in there. Yeah, but you, you do and you don't. Like you kind of just, it's the, you kind of just in a bit. Just, right. a, just a bit. Just a bit. 
Tiny finger out. Tiny finger out. And the other thing then, when they get infections and stuff, you can How young see do it. Well, like young, because the minute they're out of, oh, young, like they go, they'll get all sorts of like, mom, I've got a sore giant. It's normally because yeah. now they're at kindy in school and they can't wipe their bottoms properly. Yeah. They come home, A, with undies that you just have to burn. Oh, no. And I remember the B, skitties. your skitties. <laughs> and, and now it's not even skitties. It's like holies. Like it's the whole thing. It's like, what did, you, did you not get to the toilet? And no, but then they'll have, um, you know, mom, I've got a sore giant and everything. And you have to, you know, put the right cream and what it, oh, yeah. you know, or is it a urinary tract or is it just, you know, you haven't wiped your bum properly and now it's got a bit red and irritated. And But I, know, I find girl, maybe it's because I've got one that, yeah. and you kind of know how to navigate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember what my mum used to say. I, like if I was holding it, mum, but my mum used to call it pussy. You got a sore pussy? I know. <gasps> oh, mum was so before her time. <gasps> but now, even now. It's all erotic. <laughs> no. To an eight-year-old, you got a sore pussy. No, it was like, it was just a, like what a she grew up with it, calling it. I remember I called her up on the radio show once and I'm like, she didn't know I was recording. I'm like, mom, what do you call vaginas? And she's like, pussy. And I was like, whoa, this is the best thing ever, getting my mum to say pussy live on radio because it didn't sound anyone rude. says pussy. I love your mum. Yeah, she's like your pussy. Like, but she says it in a way that's not disgusting because pussy's the worst it's word. It's the worst word. It just is... Yeah, like we always joke about, you know, the, when there's a cat in the neighbourhood and we're like, oh, look, neighbourhood pussy. My cat was called Pussycat, PC. And we go, puss, 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 puss. That's how we'd call yeah, it. Yeah, but puss is different. Puss sounds like it's a pussycat. Yeah. Whereas pussy just sounds... <laughs> it's so wrong, isn't it? It's like a rapper. Like mm. rappers say pussy. Mm -mm. Rappers and my mum say just, pussy. Yeah. <laughs> the similarities <laughs> between the two. <laughs> Now, meeting your husband, Phil, yes. how did that happen? Um, oh, we had such a long... We dated for so long. So basically, I met him. This is one of these connect the dots. Yeah. Ready? So I met him. He was the best friend of... Okay, so my best friend... Yeah. Sister, my best friend's sister... Yeah. Had a boyfriend. Yeah. And the boyfriend's best friend was my now husband. Oh. So it was kind of like through best friend connection. Yeah. yeah. But he had a girlfriend at the time when I first oh. met him. But I remember when I met him, I couldn't look at him. And I was all like, oh. hi, and all blushy and thought, I can't look at this guy. And later found out that he had a girlfriend. I was like, ugh. And I'd been the girl that was perennially single for ages and dated like a string of, you know, just the wrong types. Right. Right. And um, not bad guys, but just like the wrong types. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh, now this one's got a, got a girlfriend. Anyway, we just kind of then bumped into each other every now and then. And about a year later, he, that's right, he went and he was living in the UK. And then about a year later, he came back because his mum got really sick. His mum got motor neuron disease. Right. And so he came back from the UK. And then not long after that, he broke up with his girlfriend. So then when he moved back to Sydney, I was seeing him more because he was out through that connection of my best friend's sister and all the rest right. of it. And um, so then he emailed me out of the blue and said, do you want to have breakfast? And so I was like, oh, is that a date? Like breakfast? Mm, breakfast is right? it? Yeah. And so you know what I, breakfast is? is because it doesn't go well. It's breakfast. Yeah. yeah. And so I put on about 17 inches of makeup for breakfast. Yeah, right. As you do. And it was the worst date because it lasted all day. What do you mean? That's a good thing. No, but it wasn't. It just needed to end, but we kept it going and it just needed to end. Right. Not because it wasn't good, 
but it just it was like we couldn't find a natural end point. Oh. So, just, I don't know. so we went for breakfast and then we went to the beach in my 17 inches of makeup. Then we went swimming with oh. my non-waterproof mascara. And then bikini was that, and stuff? Yeah, oh, yeah. On right. the first date? Yeah. So I just got it all wrong. Like, A, who wears that much makeup to breakfast yeah. and then goes to the beach and swimming it. Yeah. And then, um, then after the beach, we were hungry again. So then we went back to my place and we got... I don't know, whatever we got. And then he had to leave to, to go home to do something for his mum. But then for some reason we made it an arrangement that he would come back. Oh. So we literally were together from like 8 in the morning until 10 p.m. that night. And it was good, but it was just, it was almost too long. And did he think that too or yes. not? Yes, subsequently when we discussed it, he thought the same. But, oh, so that was that, right? And I knew, like I said from the get-go to all of my friends, he's going to be the father of my children. Mm, right. And I knew that, but for some reason I was just being an idiot. So basically then we dated for a year, right? but we only had about five dates in a year. Right. Why? Well, because I got like Cinderella syndrome where at the end of every date, we'd have an amazing dinner where they'd be putting up the chairs in the restaurant around us. And then he'd walk me to a cab and I'd be like, okay, bye, and kiss him on the cheek and jump in the cab and go. Right. And flee into the night. That would have made him like you a lot more. Yes, but then, so then he would then follow up with an email a few days later and say, oh, do you want to organise something? And I don't know why. Maybe it was because deep down I knew that he was going to be the father of my children and once I was with him, that was it, the end. Right. That that almost scared me, that I knew that was going to be forever and maybe I wasn't quite ready for forever yet. Forever yet. Yeah. Which is weird because I really was because I was watching all my friends longingly who were going home with their partners going, I just want mm. that. So I don't know what that was going, what was happening. But so after a year of five dates, right? he was like, I don't know what this girl's doing, but it's not normal. And mm. so he was about to give up. And then at the same time, I just went, what am I doing? Right. Like, this is crazy. He's like my perfect guy. But for some reason, I'm screwing it up. Yeah. So I reached out to him. And then from that point on, we literally spent every night together yeah. and got it together. So wow, how funny. So it just took you a while. It just took us a while. Yeah. yeah. Which was so weird because I knew from the minute I met him literally in a cafe one day, I thought, yeah, you're going to be the father of my children. And now he is. And yeah, so we got together finally. And then at that time, by that stage, his mum obviously who had motor neuron, it was terribly sad and her condition had, had worsened. Mm. And he'd obviously told his mum a lot about me mm. and, um, and she was in, in a hospice at that stage. And so by the time I met her, she was really, you know, well advanced in, in the disease. Mm. And I remember meeting her and at this stage, I hadn't told Phil that I loved him or anything yet because it was still very early on. Yeah. You know, we'd only just got it together. And, um, and I went to meet his mum for the first time. And because she knew everything that he'd told her about me, right? she obviously knew this is the woman that Phil wants to marry and start a family with. Right. But he hadn't told me that and I hadn't told him that. Mm. And so we had this really amazing moment with his mum, who obviously since passed away. And she was the greatest woman, but she was asking me all these questions about what kind of woman are you and how will you raise your family and wow. it just makes me so yeah. emotional to think about because as a mum I think god I'd hate that mm. to not be there yeah and I look now and I think 
God, that was, and it was so emotional at the time. Like it was the worst. Mm. Sorry, no, I'm no, 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 right. so I'm such a cry. No, I'm I really, I'm an air, airport. I'm I do the sympathy cry as soon as I say something wrong, my mind just go to. Oh. Um, and it was amazing because we had this whole conversation about, you know, how, how will you raise your kids and what's your family like? Because I think she wow. wanted to know, like, what kind of family is my husband going into and what kind of family will he have yeah and that was a really important part of I guess closure for her and knowing that she was passing away knowing that he was going to be okay Okay. yeah um and so that was just such a such a big moment but I I feel like now everything I said to her that day we kind of had done like I said you know the kind of wedding that I wanted and wow that I wanted three kids and we've and we've done that so you know I feel like we've kind of live true to, yeah, to, to you know, how she family. thought his life would go so far. Because he was very close to her mm. as well, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. yeah, that's a massive thing to go through. Oh, and it, that's just so awful because she's, her mind was there, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's but a her terrible body, disease. Oh, mate, it's just, but how, you know, how in that moment that would have just given her so much. Yeah, meeting completely. You and and yeah. I remember her asking me um, if I loved her son. And he was standing there. I hadn't said that to Phil oh, yet. Wow. And I was like, yes, like, yeah, I do. I want to marry your son. And so it was also that weird thing, like, he's standing behind me oh, and I haven't wow. told him that yet. But now you know. And then so how did the conversation pick up with you guys after he heard you say that? Um, well, I think it really bonded us. Like It, it was, would, it, yeah. it brought us really close together. And um, it was an important thing to do. And my parents came down and spent as much time as they could with, with her before she passed away. And, you know, that was a, a, an important thing for her obviously and for my family as well and for yeah. Phil and you know so I think it really cemented our relationship and our love and our families coming together and yeah wow um but a full on time heavy really mm. heavy mm. yeah um you you do have three children together yes Harper's your first Harper's my first and she made you work hard for her she did she was um you know, you think it's your God-given right to fall yeah, pregnant. You do, yeah. And then you start and you spend so much of your life, having worked on Dolly and then Cosmo, you spend all of this time going, I don't want to get pregnant, I don't want to get pregnant. Yeah. And, you know, being on the pill or taking the morning after pill or just like keeping penises away yeah, so you don't get pregnant. <laughs> and then you decide I'm ready. And when it doesn't happen, mm. the first couple of tries, you're like, what's wrong? Yeah. And so we tried for um, we tried for a year and a half right. to get up and we went with one miscarriage. And it was when I finally, and I'm a control freak in that sense. Like I, my poor husband, I'd sign him up to do every test under the sun yeah. and you've got to go get this sample and do this. And he lovingly went along with my craziness. Um, but a year and a half you would go, okay, this isn't, yeah, this isn't happening. Yeah. And so it was only when we signed up to do IVF. Right. that the month before the first IVF appointment, I fell pregnant with Harper. Wow. Mm. That's exactly the same as Stacey. Ah. She signed up, she was going to her first appointment and found out she was pregnant. Do you know what I think it is? I've since thought, I, I reckon it's because you're trying and it's like you're watching the kettle boil. Yeah. And the minute you kind of almost give in to going, you know what, it's gonna, I'm, let's take it out of my hands and mm. we're going to go to IVF and that's, what, that's just the path we're going to take. Yeah. And... It was almost I relaxed because I thought, okay, you know what? We're going to do IVF. Yeah. And so maybe that month we weren't having like, we must fall pregnant sex. Yeah. It was yeah. just kind of normal and It's funny, happened. isn't it? Because it's different for Brooke um, ha- had her little girl through IVF and it was quite gruelling. And I just, 
you know, that was hard for her sometimes when people go, just relax and just, mm. you know, do your acupuncture. Okay, I was going to punch people in the face if they told me to relax and stop thinking about it and just make yeah. it romantic. It's like having sex when you're trying for a baby is, yeah. and you've been trying for a while is so not sexy or romantic. No, no. It's, it's quick. My cervical mucus tells me I'm ovulating <laughs> and I've spat on this and I've peed on that. And What did you use that? I used I that used the microscope. Loved and it. The, yeah. You, Zoe put me onto that, I yeah, think. Yeah, I put Zoe onto it. Oh, okay, so it came from you I'm then. Happy Thank to you. Have passed it <laughs> No, but I did everything. I was the girl that would walk into the chemist and go, what do we got in the ovulation field that I could right. buy? Um, yeah. And so I did all of that. And it's hard, like it's so hard. And then I would be at work and it would be like, you know, it's that thing when, you, when you're going to buy a car mm. and you decide, oh, I'm going to buy a red Audi. And then everywhere and you go outside and you see red Audis everywhere. Yeah. So it was like that. I decided I really want to be pregnant. Why am I falling pregnant? And then I, it would be, lift doors would open and four pregnant women would walk yeah. out at me. Or yeah. I'd be walking down the street and all these pregnant women, women pushing prams. And I'd be like, selfish. You've already got one in the pram <laughs> and you've got one in your tummy. <laughs> selfish. I can't, I can't even get one. So it was a big lesson as well in kind of that you don't get what you want when you mm. want it and that it's really hard and I'm fortunate in that I now have three beautiful healthy children and I had a, a, a small struggle but that's nothing compared to what a lot of women go through mm. but it was still a big moment Absolutely. for me and it was still really hard yeah and even when I had um when I finally fell pregnant with Harper I fell pregnant and then I had to go to India for an international Cosmo conference. Right. So every um, two years, Cosmo would do these global conferences where all the international editors of the 63 editions of Cosmo around the wow. world would get together for three days and it'd be like a big love-in sharing of ideas. And I was about eight or nine weeks pregnant. Mm. So it was at that zone where you can't tell anyone. And once you've had a miscarriage, you just fear the worst. Of course. You know, so I just yeah. thought... I'm going to lose it or something's going to happen or it's something's not going to be right. And anyway, so I was in India. So I was already conscious of like, oh, I can't drink the water and I can't eat this and all the rest of it. Couldn't tell anyone. Yeah. And on the last day, I started to get spotting. Oh. And I was like, oh, my God, you're kidding. After a year and a half. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, what's happening? What's happening? I felt really sick about it. And at the same time, a few of the other editors had been to see this, I don't know what you would call him. It was like a mystical, herbal, Reiki, magical wizard man. In India? In India. Right. Healer. Right. Healer. Let's mm -hmm. call him a healer. Mm -hmm. And they were all raving about how, you know, that they felt really energized after seeing him and that wow. that had back pain and now they didn't and that he'd done all of these amazing things. So I thought, screw it, I'm going to go, like, I'm mm. spotting what have I got to lose, I'm so, and I knew I had to get on a long haul flight home, oh and, God. like, I was yeah. so beside myself, yeah. had no one that I could tell, so I went to see this healer, and he did, like, you know, lay me down and did all these, like, things with his hands, and, you know, pressure points, and heat over my stomach, and all the rest mm. of it, and then he gave me this stone, which I actually bought as my Chantelle, right. and, he gave me this little purple stone, and I wish I could remember the name of it, but I have the worst memory ever. And he said, keep this with you, and it will, on, on the left side of your body, mm. keep it with you, and he bandaged it to my arm here, and it will heal your uterus and protect the baby. And at that, in that headspace that I was in, I was willing to try 
anything i was like yep great it's strapped for the next nine months yeah, if it, yeah. you know pray to god that this the, the baby stays in there for nine months and so i got on the plane i was still spotting a bit and by the time i got back i must have been around 10 weeks i went for a scan and there was a heartbeat and i was like no mm. it all looks good do you reckon i could take that stone off i kept it band-aided to my arm for nine months that my arm started to rot did it, was it the same band-aid that he put on? No, I had to change it. So I would have a shower because it would get a bit manky yeah. and then the skin underneath it because it was like a stone. I'll show it to you. And it's almost like a, like a, like a stone, like a diamond, but it's purple. And Can you show me now? Yeah, let's, yeah. let's do and, incorporation um, on tarot. Wow. And so it's oh. like it's big. Yeah, and it's um, pointy. And pointy, yeah. <laughs> So it, I stuck it to here and then I just changed the bandage. But I had to keep because it was like making my arm go a bit dermatitis-y and a bit rotten. <laughs> and then I had to change my whole wardrobe because in summer I just had this whole like thing bandaged to my arm. Wow. But I, it was, I was so paranoid to take it off yeah. that I thought something will happen to the baby if I take it off. So I kept it on me for nine months. And to this day, I keep it in Harper's room. Oh, do you? Because I feel like it's now the thing that protects her. Yeah, wow. And I've told her the story about it. And she also, you know, sometimes she'll say, Mum, can I see that magic stone that protects me? And, and amazing. Yeah. And I think now, I don't know, maybe it would have just been implantation spotting and it would have just carried on. But to this day, I'll never know whether no, and you it was the magic wizard healer man in yeah. India and the stone. Um, that is so Or that I just needed to believe in something or... Yeah, oh, who knows? And you know what? Sometimes you, if it, even if it was all fine, just giving you... I, the power of the mind yes. is... And hope. Hope. As long as there's hope, mm. yeah, it's everything you can, you know, you mm. can move on. Yeah. That is just awesome. That's a aw very good show and tell. Isn't it? When you asked me to bring show and tell, I was like, God, what do I bring? A picture? And I thought, oh my God, I've got the best show and tell. Yeah, yeah that is one of the best. And because we don't like to say whose is the best, but you're winning show and tell. Yes. yes. Done. Um, Great. I like to be the best. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, let's go back to your miscarriage. It's in quite incredible how many women have sat on, oh, yeah. on this couch and have been through it. One in four. Yeah. Both of, I have as well, in between my two boys. And also trying for so long and then for mm. yourself to miscarriage. What miscarry? What was that? time like i mean i think because at the time i think we've been trying for six months and yeah. then i miscarried. and it's funny how the minute you fall pregnant mm. you're like oh thank god everything's firing and everything works and you'll you change your life mm. like that overnight you oh i can't eat this and i can't eat that and i you know i went to the shopping to the supermarket and i bought all of the everything that you're meant to eat when you're yeah. pregnant and all the organics and all the whatever whatever and the vitamins and the prenatals and the whatever so within 24 hours, my whole house had changed and my lifestyle and my diet and my headspace and everything. Right. And I miscarried early. I was like eight weeks or something. So it wasn't as terrible as what some women have when they're, you know, it's later in the, in the pregnancy, but it's still, well, it's all, it's, it's just, you're just watching that hope go. That's what it is. And thinking, the hope. I have to start yeah. again and what yeah. if and why and. And that's hard because you kind of almost go, I was on the road to something like, I, you know, you yeah. have a due date and you have, you yeah. know, plans in place and you start getting excited and talking about names and yeah. how our life will change. Because it is, it's all consuming. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like having worked in an office of pretty much all women 
for the last 16 years. We talk about this stuff all the time. Mm. Like it's a really unique office in that sense in that we, nothing is off limits. You know, I look with, with what I've been through with my staff and we've been through divorces, yeah. you know, pregnancies, miscarriages, abortions, you know, new love, crazy diets, like all of the, all of that. And you talk so openly about it. Like mm. we know each other's lives so intimately, um, which is a really unique workspace because yeah. it's just like an open forum. And sometimes that things are obviously a little bit more personal that, you know, staff might come to me and ask for advice um, on things, but they obviously trust me to divulge that information. Mm. But we, so we, I guess I was very used to having conversations about miscarriage and that, that it wasn't, I can't talk about it yeah. and all the rest of it. Cause I think it's yeah. so important to talk about it. So important. And sometimes yeah. women feel like a bit of a failure if they've had a miscarriage or that there's something wrong with them or, yeah. but it's and as soon so as you common. share with somebody, it's like mm. me too, me too. And I wrote the other day, I said, you know, so many of us go through, through it. And, it, and everyone's ex, like your experience would be different to mine and you know and everyone's is different but it's almost an automatic connection when I know somebody's been through that yeah. too if I was you know I was only six weeks as well and I don't think the the timing of it necessarily I had beautiful Georgie Gardner on who miscarried and you know um we're just talking about how it's just it is so different for for everyone yeah and because it, it is the possibility so it's all I guess how attached to out of that possibility yeah um, but how um, just knowing that somebody's been through that, I automatically go, oh, as a woman that you, you get connect, it. yeah. You know, yeah. like it, it just feels, it's something, and it's such an odd thing to connect with women over. Yeah. But I do, I feel that. that yeah, definitely. But I think this is what, why having these sort of conversations and mm. women talking about their experiences is so important because it, yeah. and I guess that's what we, like I, I always did at Cosmo was on a different level We it would be articulating the angst of women so that women didn't feel alone, that they were the only ones that went yeah. through certain issues, whether it was in relationships or bodily functions or whatever. Yeah. It's that sense of relief of going, oh, thank God I thought I was the only one that, that yeah. went through the, that yeah. or felt that way or did that thing or whatever. And it's, it's a relief to see that I, I'm, I'm normal and other women go through this and you can get through it and you come out the other end and, yeah. you know, um, and I think it's important to share those stories. And I think, you know, women are getting better at it as mm. well. Like it's, yeah, I think so too. whether it's talking yeah. about mental illness or medical conditions or, yeah. you know, I think women more and more get the importance of sharing the story to bring awareness or to make it okay yeah. Um, yeah. For, for other women. So magazines. Yes. Let's talk about where you think they're going, which just depresses me. It's really harsh um, as an editor of a magazine your whole life. But when I hear Dolly went online, yeah. was like a childhood friend dying. Well, Dolly is still a print version as well. So they're is still, it? yeah, they're still doing six issues a year. Okay, I read of that print. wrong. print and then, but it's just digital first now in that right. the emphasis and the priority will be on the digital assets for Dolly, yeah. which makes sense given it's a teen brand. Yeah. And teens are all yeah, online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's sad. I, I think as well, having come from, I guess, the glory days of, mm. you know, Kerry Packer and, you know, I was in magazines when I entered magazines, there were no blogs and Instagram and you couldn't get content anywhere else. And really back then, if you were a woman and you wanted information on issues that you were going through in your life, you bought Clear or Cosmo. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. There wasn't any Grazias or Madisons or any of the rest of it. It was literally 
Cosmo or Cleo. Yeah. And you were very clearly, you knew whether you're a Cosmo girl or a Cleo girl. Yeah. And um, so it's sad that that's changed and, you know, yeah. a lot of the titles no longer exist. And, you know, whether we weren't nimble enough moving digital and, you know, I mean, Cosmo is, is really successful digitally. Mm. Um, but whether some of the other brands, it, it didn't translate or, the, or they weren't nimble enough to move um, mm. to a digital first um, strategy, then, you know, that might have been the nail in the coffin. But it is, it's really sad to see that, you know, in the glory days of magazines, all the amazing mags that used to be out there. But it's just hard now when you can get a lot of content online. so, yeah, because you want everything now. Mm. But it's the same we were talking about um, Star Wars coming out. It's not going to DVD, you know, because right. you just get it all yeah. online. And I'm like, I like physical yeah. holding. But this is the thing. Is, and, and it's not that magazines are dead. It's that magazines just have a real moment now. Yeah. Whereas before it was a necessity of like, that's where I get my fix for any of that celebrity stuff or emotional intelligence mm. or you know, help me, give me guidance in my relationship or my life or my body or my whatever. Um, whereas now magazines play that real moment of, I just want to relax. I'm in a hairdresser. I'm on a plane. Yeah. I'm by the pool, yeah. you know, so magazines aren't dead. They just have a different role to play purpose, in, yeah. in women's, in yeah. women's lives. And, you know, for some titles, that means that there will be a decline in print sales but it also means there's a boost in the digital yeah. side of things. You know, I know from yeah. a Cosmo perspective, um, digitally we're flying. Mm. It's, you know, a really successful business and we got, we've got huge traffic. And I say we now, but it's not we anymore, they. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's um, the brand will have longevity because it's a, you know, a, a 360 brand. Yeah. And print bigger, is an important yeah. part of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for other brands, it just didn't translate or mm. it wasn't financially um, viable or they just didn't get their digital assets up and firing fast enough. Yeah. One of the things that you um, started at Cosmo was Fun Fearless Awards. Yes. Which yes. is Maybe. so incredible. Mm. I was lucky enough to come along last year and I didn't realise how special it was until I walked into a room full. It was a really eclectic but incredible mm. group of women. And I found, um, you know, because I'd got my outfit and got my makeup and everything done. So when I got there, I was not relaxed until I walked in the room. And then I was like, ah, this is not, Yeah. we can drop the bullshit. Yeah. This isn't like the races. You and know? I think, like, you know, this is what I loved so much about Fun Fearless is that it's unlike any other event mm. for women yeah. in the country in that, and I, and I think it's also a little bit the way I wanted it to reflect the, the, the ethos of the brand of Cosmo. And it probably is very much the way I operate as a woman as well. Yeah. In that it's got to be about strip away the bullshit. Yeah. We're just women getting through life the best we can. And if we support each other, we can do it a whole heap better. Yeah. And that was the vibe that was. And really it was. Creative. And the reason yeah. why we kept Fun Fearless, because Fun Fearless exists in other countries. Mm -hmm. um, for Cosmo around the world, but it's very much a big celebrity, red carpet, wow, 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 big names. Right. You know, very fabulous and glamorous. And ours is, but ours is very unique in the fact that I wanted it to represent women that are doing amazing things, mm. but maybe don't get the chance to be highlighted and cheerleaded because they're just not an actress or a singer or a radio person or whatever. Yeah. So 
we made the Fun Fearless Female Awards here in Australia really about honouring women in all walks of life. So we had the categories that we had the glamorous, you know, the actress and the singers and the radio and the TV presenters, but mixed back with entrepreneurs and role models and charity workers and um, social media stars. And what you end up with is this amazing room, very intimate of like a hundred women, mm. but everybody's in awe of everyone else. Yeah. So everybody is like, you know, you've got somebody who's got 3 million followers on Instagram, you know, pouring all over this charity worker who set up this orphanage and some, you know, like it's just mm. this amazing goosebumpy feeling. It was, Where yeah. everyone's walls are dropped. Yeah. And I mean, you remember the one a couple of months ago, I couldn't get control of the crowd. Like we needed mm. to start the proceedings and everybody's like up taking selfies with Julia Gillard and, you know, yeah. everyone just felt comfortable going up and saying, oh my God, I love you. And yeah. you know, can I get your details? And everyone was swapping phone numbers and email addresses. Yeah that I couldn't actually, I was like, okay, or, you know, let's get this started. And we couldn't because everyone was just to loving, yeah. having a love in with everyone else. And yeah. it's so, so much about what Cosmo is and represents. And mm. I think sometimes people think, oh, Cosmo, it's all about sex. And it's like, yeah, sex is a big part of Cosmo because it's a big part of women's lives. But yeah. I think what Mia instilled when she was the editor and that I carried through was that sense of it's very, Cosmo is very inclusive and very, mm. we get what you're going through and we, we don't isolate and it's very inclusive. And right down to, Cosmo has been the only magazine for a very long time and still is that we have women of every shape and size in every issue. Mm. We don't signpost it like, look at us, we've got a curvy section. Or it's yeah. like, it's just part of the, it's threaded through the magazine. It's not signposted. It's not like, look at us, congratulate us, pat us on the back. Mm. It's just, it is because women come in different shapes and sizes yeah. and a woman who is a size 14 wants to look just as good as a woman who is size eight or 16 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Fun Fearless kind of also has that sense of, you know, we're all women and no matter what we do, whether you're, you've developed an app or whether you're a Logie winner, TV presenter or yeah. whatever else, it's like you're everyone, you're doing an amazing thing and mm. it's a day to honour that and celebrate that and support each other. And so through that, I even know of now a lot of the girls that have become friends and now mm. collaborate with each other and completely different, like completely different fields, but yeah. through that day made friendships and connections that they otherwise may not have or might have been too intimidated. Yeah, because your path wouldn't necessarily cross. Yeah. There's something, because there's, there's not many times in your life you're just in a room full of just women. Yeah. And there's always something, when it happens, it, there is something so incredible about it. It just mm. has a really different feeling. And um, a little while ago I went with Michelle Laurie. She invited me to a Muslim morning tea, a room full of women. And I said, I really would love to come along, but I feel a bit uncomfortable because I don't know, I don't know enough. I don't yeah. know. Like, mm -hmm. And I walked in there and it was one of the best mornings I've ever had because I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking. And then I, I left. I'm like, fuck, we're all just women. Yeah. And that's what was so Regardless beautiful. Regardless of what you wear Regardless or how you Regardless of what you wear, your religion, what I just, and it was such a, it was a real turning point for me because I, in the room, some that morning of the morning tea, <clears throat> um, it wasn't things that were said. It was just the feeling mm. in the room of a room full of women. Yeah. Just being women. Yeah. And I loved it. And it was this really similar feeling in the fun and, fun and feelings. And I think that's, it's important because there's, you know, there's lots of events that are glamorous and amazing, but a lot of people don't get to either access them or get to be in those situations. And, and fun fearless, I think, represents women just coming together from all walks of life and yeah. being acknowledged for things that they are like, you know, you get entrepreneurs that have started up, you know, 
you know, food chains that support feeding women in mm. impoverished places and it's just or you know authors or women who have just you know like the Jane Lou from Shopo who just like was an accountant and started yes. going I love, I'm going to sell clothes and now it's a multi-million dollar business and yeah. there's things you can learn from other women if you totally. actually you know are allowed into that circle and be or you know go to those events and mm. or watch the interviews online and you can learn all oh, right that's what she did and what can I learn from that to take into yeah. my own life yeah um but yeah, fun feelers. It's one of those things that until you until you go, like I, I'm gl so glad you went last year because I think last year was one of the best. Yeah, um, I loved it. It's just such an, an, an energetic, amazing yeah. vibe. It's yeah. a real high five to the sisterhood. Yeah, yeah, it totally was. Mm. You would you've met so many um, big celebs. Yeah, like, who's who have you gone? You're fucking awesome. Do you know what? It's funny because having just finished coming you know culminating 16 years and writing my final ed letter and just like reflecting back on things that I've done one of the things that I found the other day I thought god how did I forget that when I was a beauty editor at Cosmo yeah. I got flown to the island of Mystique which is in the Caribbean right. to Tommy Hilfiger's place sorry my fringe is annoying me um to Tommy Hilfiger's place for the launch of a fragrance that he was doing with Beyonce so there was like six beauty editors from around the world, Cosmo Beauty Editors, at Tommy Hilfiger's house. It was really intimate and Beyonce was there, she sang and yeah, no, right. And then, and then we all got a little bit pissy pants and we all went for a midnight swim in Tommy Hilfiger's infinity pool in the Caribbean, fully clothed in our cocktail dress. And I've got a selfie with Beyonce and I like dancing. I know, and I totally forgot about that until we were digging out. Did Beyonce out. go in the water? Yeah, we were like waist deep in water in my selfie with her. And this is before yes. selfie was a selfie. Like there was no Instagram to upload then. This is like back in 2005 or something. That's a good mm. story. I know. So there's loads of those kind of, If you wow. saw B on the streets in America, could you say? No. Well, do you reckon that she... How many people do you reckon have gone, ah! But do you reckon you can go, I met you at Tommy Hilfiger's party? No. Mm. No. I don't think we're best friends and I don't okay. think she's going to recall it. But it was in her, I think she'd just come out of Destiny's Child and was maybe, so she wasn't like Queen Bee, she wasn't Beyonce, Beyonce. She was like Destiny Child, Beyonce, Still amazing. coming out of my own. Yeah, so it was yeah. a big deal at the time, yeah. but like a way bigger deal now if I was to do a redo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and that same amazing. trip, Brian Adams was also there. Uh, I don't care about this. Story. Well, I thought he was gay and Australian, and oh. he's neither of those things. <laughs> so I was all like, ah, Australia! <laughs> Not. So I'm being all super friendly. Australian connection. He's and probably thinking, what? And then, because you would have been extra friendly thinking he's gay and he's like, this nutbag. Right, I'm thinking, I'm totally me. safe with you because you're gay and you're Australian. <laughs> we can be best friends for the next 48 hours while we're in the island of Mystique. And it turns out, no, not gay or Australian. That's so that was a great trip. But, there, you know, there's been loads of those kind of things. But we've shot some really great women over the time. You know, like yeah. I always love working with the women like the Jacinta Campbells and mm. Jodie Gordon, well, Jodie and Asta now, but you know, they're just beautiful souls. Yes. And you know, we worked a lot with Robin Lawley who, I hate the term plus size, but you know, she kind of made that very yeah. big, um, yeah. a big thing, being a plus size model and breaking down those um, barriers. And we put her on the cover a couple of times and she's been great to work with. And you know, like Miranda Kerr is mm. a real professional, um, 
There's been a lot. I've got the worst memory and I'm really yeah. bad. No, that's nice though because you don't – it's like um, – you, I'm a terrible name dropper because I can't even remember. Yeah. Like, I'll forget I did this today. And I'll be like, oh, is that? Yeah, that's her. Oh, that girl's house. <laughs> you know? She's done long hair, now she's got short hair. <laughs> you know the one? You, you, would, you were on top of, like, all the sex things. Yes. And you're about to shove something up your vagina. <laughs> I'm so Can glad you I told you these over. A how-to video. Oh, okay, come um, on. No, because we were talking about pelvic floors. Oh, man. And post-babies. And mine are terrible after three. Are and they? Are they? Or is it a... I thought it was a pelvic floor. Oh, I don't know. Are they? Are they? Now you're going to show me up. No, well, it's your pelvic floors. Okay. So they... okay anyway, it's just a muscle that needs to be strong. And yeah. mine is not. And hence, drunk, jumping on trampolines now, unfortunately, is not right. something I can do. But there is a new product there. Now it sounds like I'm doing a product yeah. for you. But no, we were talking about pelvic floors going that there's a LV thing that you can put up there to And would you just clench? It's like clench. where you would go to, you know, a lot of women go after pregnancy, after having a baby to a doctor and they do it in a doctor's right. surgery and now you can do it at home. So I'm yet to try it, but I'll let you know how it You'll goes know. and whether I, I, can, I can revisit my trampolining career. I was not good before I had babies, so I'm shocking now. If I sneeze... I have to bend over, otherwise I wet my pants. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Like the kids, you know, trampolines now I know, I learned that the hard way. Yeah. Thankfully though I was wearing black jeans at the time. Don't do a star but jump. Don't do a star jump. So I occasionally do an F45 class and oh. there's all of these certain moves that I just know I can't do. Yeah. And I've had to kind of just take the instructors aside to say, you know, when you see me doing something else that isn't the exercise I'm meant to be doing. It's because I'm pissing my pants. It's because I'm actually weighing myself. So don't make me do it. Because, you know, and it, like it's... It, <laughs> I'm exactly the and same. And you become really conscious of like, I look at people running going, wow, how do you do that without yeah. leaking? Yeah. Or I am um, something that this is, I do Pilates mm. and there's a couple of moves I mm. have to alter because if your legs go mm. up... I know exactly where you're going here. And a woman next to me did a massive fanny yeah. fart once and yeah. now I'm so freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't want anyone hearing my fanny farts. And it's something that happens really often. So you just need to know that if you're doing Pilates and you're fanny farting, it's okay because it happens to the best of us. No, but do you know what? It's in, you're in the, the sanctity of the Pilates class. Like you just have to think, you poor woman, you've got bad pelvic floors. <laughs> Uh, I can't even unhear that. <laughs> so there you have our chat with the beautiful Bron McCann. She was such a hoot. And if you want to check it out, head to showandtellonline.com.au. All of the videos are there and plenty others for you to see. Also subscribe to our podcast, Show and Tell the Podcast, and uh, make sure you listen to all of the conversations that we have for you.